Hi, I'm Caroline Carey, and you know, I'm always inspired by other people's life stories. So I listen for the soul journey that is interwoven between each individual's experiences throughout their life. Join me to hear for yourself how each narrative becomes a transformative and inspiring message for us all. Enjoy the podcasts. Sally Shakti Willow is a writer, but not just any old writer. She's got some really interesting ideas around who we are as writers, how we can overcome childhood challenges of writing, and how we can take some of our conditioning out of the picture of what we create. She's the founder of Writing and Thriving, and really creates a safe and supportive environment for visionary writers to express themselves. I wholeheartedly recommend her as a teacher, a guide, and as somebody who really knows what's what when it comes to writing poetry. Yeah, sharing her own knowledge on some very interesting takes on the writing career. Sally, now you you call yourself Sally Shakti. I take it you weren't born with that name, or were you? No, I wasn't. I was born Sally. <laughs> I love the name Sally. Where does Shakti come from? Shakti comes from my yoga practice, um, which I started in 2002. Um, and my grandmother was a yoga teacher for 30 years. Um, we never quite crossed over. She stopped teaching yoga just as I was starting to, to learn. Um, but she passed me a lot of her yoga books that she'd had when she was studying she was one of the I don't know one of the first but she studied distance learning in the 70s wow. in her leotard <laughs> and uh, one of the things she gave me was this um set of cards that she'd made for her teacher training where there was a, a photograph of her in every pose with a description underneath wow yeah what an amazing <laughs> granny to have yeah that's fabulous. What a great yeah. story. So tell me, what's a visionary writer? Or what's visionary writing and what's a visionary writer? Visionary writing is writing um, that quite often doesn't conform to the norms and standards of even the simple things like grammatical rules that we've been taught at school. Yeah. Um, because it's open to new possibilities and new ways of thinking and new ways of for me in particular it's about structuring the world differently it's about creating with the with the web of weird and and so we start to create new structures by writing in new forms and so a visionary writer is somebody who who's who's experimenting and playing with that I love this. I, we're going to get on really well here. <laughs> you know, I have a very particular story about learning to write. And, um, you know, I, I won't go into too much detail here because this is your podcast. But um, but I was it was insisted on me that I learned to write as a very, very young child mm -hmm. by my mother. And she really wanted me to be writing before I went to school. Um, and I found my own way to write a particular way, a very poetic way, which is still with me today. Yeah. I think this is the kind of thing that you're talking about. So when I went to school, 
yeah, I, I, I couldn't get on with the way I, I'm a kinesthetic learner. And I've talked quite a bit about that in, in these podcasts. Um, but I've gone on to write, what have I written now? Um, I think seven books. I'm writing my next. Congratulations. They're, out there in the world. A couple of them I decided I didn't like very much. And one of them I turned, or two of them I turned into one book. But, you know, I've still written them. And that's yeah. quite an achievement for somebody who couldn't really learn in school or, or grammatically incorrect. My spellings were atrocious, all that sort of stuff. But I was a very poetic writer. And I think this is what you're talking about, hey? So yes. what's your story? What's my story? Um, my story is I've I've always written. Um, in fact, when I knew that I was coming onto your podcast and I know the kinds of questions you ask people because I, I enjoy listening to your podcast, um, I was thinking back to like the beginnings of my writing. I know you often ask people about the beginnings of, of their story. Um, and I wrote my first poem before I could hold a pen to paper um my my mum basically transcribed it for me and, and I still have it written in my mum's hand wow. um and the first line of that I've got the whole thing and I can't exactly remember it right now but the first line it, it, it's, it's this kind of existential uh inquiry and and it's um it, it's about my brother it's about me and my brother and our relationship he's two years younger than me he would have only been relatively newly born when I wrote this um, or composed it. Uh, and the, the first line of this poem goes, um, sometimes I wish that he was me and I was he. <laughs> and then it goes, it continues just for a few lines, but there's this, there, there's this, there's this rhyming around he and me um, that kind of goes back and forth through the poem. Um, and you know, my mum, I guess, had the foresight to 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 record that and write it down. Um, and I still have it. And so, yes, I've been writing really for forever, um, for as long as I know. Um, I took to writing and and English English literature very well at school. Um, I went right on uh, after after school. I did. Um, a degree in English then I taught English for 10 years then I went back to university did a master's in creative writing and a PhD in poetry um, so you know I kind of I, I I love language and words and literature and and studying so much that that's you know I've, I've really dedicated a lot of years of my life to that as a full-time occupation reading writing and researching um, when I was teaching in schools, I really felt like I was participating in that kind of what I call writing trauma that I think you were talking about at the beginning, um, where almost all of the creativity and the the wildness is taken out of of a child's relationship with with writing, and it's um, it turns into this thing that we're examined on, we're judged for. Uh, were evaluated by in every subject, not just in English, which I was teaching, but across the board, you know, whatever subject you're you're studying, you really can't you can't pass that subject unless you have a relatively high level of, of reading and writing skills. Uh, so it's it's the threshold really that 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 young children are judged by 
from such a young age. And that takes so much of the magic and the power out of what it means to, to write and engage with the world materially through writing. Uh, yeah, I so relate to what you're you're saying here. It's that it was always a struggle for me, and and I you that I like what you say about taking the wild out. Mm. So and that's that creative aspect of us as little children, you know, putting children through curriculums. Yeah, and these benchmarks that they have, we have to learn certain things at certain times and meeting <clears throat> the requirements of school the education system it's not just the teachers is it it's the education system yeah in the uk anyway um what is the answer to some of this i don't know about the answer to the education system that, that that's a big one um but for me even though i really was very much immersed in education and academia uh right up until the point when i graduated from my PhD and started my own business yeah so for me it's about what I'm calling rewilding writing and you said again at the beginning you're a very kinesthetic learner it's about bringing it back to the body um you know the the physicality I do a lot of work with um just moving the pen across the page without that having to make words or meaning I think so much of um our relationship with each other is is mediated through language and it's abstracted because it's all going on in our heads or somewhere outside of the body. So it's really, for me, it's about bringing that relationship back down to its material basis. What does it feel like to write on the page? What does it feel like to write with materials maybe from the world, you know, from, from, from the environment that aren't pen and paper, maybe charcoal or mud or, you know, um, whatever we can find that we might create marks with, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking that uh, the root, the root of the word write comes from the word uh, scribe or inscribe, um, which is, you know, to, 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 to cut marks. Um, and then I think about the the runes and the oems, you know, that's how we, that's how our ancestors were writing. It was to, it was to make marks by cutting either into wood or stone. It was a much more physical, visceral embodied experience. Fascinating, isn't it? When you look at it, when you go way back and look at where these things first come from mm. and how we've distorted it now in present yeah. day. So what do you do with the work that you do? You know, who do you teach, reach out to? What kind of communities, people? At the moment, primarily two, two main communities of people that I work to. So one is um, people who are writing their PhD. So once whilst I was writing my PhD, I started coaching other uh, people to write theirs. Um, maybe they, they didn't have a background in writing and they were finding it hard to write the thesis which is you know a very long uh written project so i work with people um within the universities to support them with a framework for for writing their thesis and then some people come to me one-to-one -one because they might be doing a more of a more of a of a practice-based project that has uh different parameters and they want to write it differently they want to push the edges of of that structure and that framework so we work together to do that and then I work I reach out to people who I call visionary writers who who, who will 
identify themselves as visionary writers because quite often if we have a writing practice like you mentioned and like I mentioned that is more embodied more visceral more creative and poetic and perhaps doesn't want to follow the the structures it maybe wants to follow a more organic structure that's how I really you know feel it um that can be a block to writing for so many people because we've been told for so long that that we're doing it wrong or that we have to do it a certain way and when our literally our physiology doesn't want to do it that way then there can be a lot of resistance to uh, how do we how do we get our words on the page when we want to do it differently so what kind of people come to you what what difficulties would you say they have generally primarily getting the words on the page uh, so it's a that's a case of um often it's a case of self-confidence and and knowing how to start you know and that's when we do a lot of work with mark making on the page to begin with i find that particularly in academia um and and with people who want to write if they don't already have a journaling practice or like a daily writing practice and and they're sitting at the laptop and they're thinking right this is it now i'm going to write something profound um typically nothing wants to come out so it's about um how how do we practice getting words on the page without there being so much pressure and weight attached to that and also in some ways i find writing quite a cathartic practice so sometimes there's there's all of these sort of fears and, and unexpressed um, worries and concerns and anxieties that actually need to come out before before the writing itself can come out. Um, and so uh, mostly I do that through the page with people, but there, you know, there are body-based practices for for releasing those those stuck emotions as well. Yeah, that's that sounds great because I'm I'm somebody who's always danced. And I would dance and, I, and you know, be on my own inquiry into that or just receiving information in some form or other. And then I would, you know, it, it would things would just come out of me and I would just write them down. I've, I've got huge collection of, of journals from way, way back. And they're just full of sometimes just scribbles, sometimes just a picture. Sometimes it just some is something that needed to come through and I didn't even know what it was about. And then just words and words and words and words. But from that, I would then start to form something else, like a piece of poetry, or it would inspire me into, I need to write this chapter of my life. There, there's something going on here that really needs to be put down on paper. Sometimes before I forget, it's a bit like dreaming. Hey? You know, I've always written down my dreams. Well, I don't now, but I always used to write down my dreams in the morning, you know, to have my dream time journal and, and the dreams would go in. I only do that occasionally now. Um, if there's a particular dream I want to remember, but um, you know that 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 was it was like my dreaming was happening within the dance in that sense, and so I've got you know yeah loads and loads of books on my dancing, dreaming, writing experiences, and that's how I certainly how I wrote my first book. That's what came from that literally came from the dance because it was the dance was cathartic, the writing was cathartic, and it was a deeply healing journey for me to write my story I changed it um I I well not I didn't change the story I couldn't do that but I rewrote the book I revisited it 
and came back to it later on where I, I thought, actually, I've got more information here. And I've also got different perspectives on my life. And so Misguided Angel that was written over 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever it was, is now rewritten, revisited and came out last year. So it's an exciting project, isn't it? When you when you really start to see what you're capable of, even when you've believed possibly all your life that you, know, you, you weren't that writer or you, you wouldn't be able to achieve something of that nature. But you clearly were a good writer. You you studied English. You went to school, college. You you did all your education through that. How do you find you relate now to people, say like me, who really struggles with it, mm, or yeah. has struggled with it? You know. Yeah, I really loved what you said about your practice. You know, dancing, moving your body, going to your journal. It's like starting. And cultivating that relationship with with yourself, your own inner inquiry, and and doing that on the page is is so important. And so, you know, maybe in the beginning you're not thinking this is going to be a book. You know, it, it's about those very small steps. About you know, how do I first of all meet myself? I often call it meeting yourself on the page, um, and it's very very courageous to do that you have to be very brave to to meet yourself on the page and to really truly show up and and to to say what's really there even even if you know that nobody else is going to read it it's it's that mirror uh to look in which can often be very um very hard to look at when we're being you know brutally honestly self-reflective um but that's when then that's when I find the process can go deep and we can get into some layers of healing um, that perhaps wouldn't have come to the surface otherwise, because what, what I think the page can do, especially when we start with the body and we get those kind of emotions up to the surface. And then the, when we, when we then write them onto the page, that helps them to come through our consciousness. And as we, you know, and, and to do that without judgment, without um you know with lots and lots of self-compassion and without judgment especially all of the things all of the judgments that come up you know when somebody particularly doesn't feel comfortable about writing I'm not good enough this isn't good enough you know my sentences aren't right my spelling isn't correct you know to be able to let go of that and put even marks down on the page that doesn't have to be you know, we can totally let go of spelling and, and grammar. If we want to tidy those up in a later edit, then we can do. And, you know, we have great technology that will do that kind of thing for us. But when it's when it's just a relationship between ourselves and the page, I really want to encourage people to show up with self-compassion and inquiry and a sense that what's moving through is energy that needs to come out. Um, and we can bring it out through our consciousness so that we can briefly shine a light of awareness on it, acknowledge it and let it go. And we might need to do that process. We might spend time for, for a period of time going over and over and over the same sort of thoughts and emotions. But eventually there's some alchemy and that changes and it shifts and it moves into something else. And I would always encourage people to start there um that's I think what helps to overcome the fear of the page 
um, when we can learn to see ourselves on it without judgment because we, we can be so used to criticism and judgment for for what we've put down on the page sure sure and and you know you, you started with your story and it's it goes way way back to when your little brother was born and that's such a sweet tale um did you have any particular challenges around your writing in your early days was there anything personally for you that you thought actually this is difficult or were you always no. encouraged nothing nothing that i can recall i generally found it pretty easy even even moving into sort of no cursive joined up writing um you know i could retain i think i'm also quite a visual learner so i could retain visual spellings pretty well and then that that would translate into sort of faster writing and more joined up writing i do know that my my paternal grandfather was left-handed and he was um you know, sort of violently coerced into becoming right-handed um, as as they did in those days. Um, but I don't remember any of those. I don't remember any particular struggles with writing for me particularly. And what about being at school? How, how did the other children take to you being clever in the class? That's a great question. And I, I, don't, I don't really know because I was quite alone. I was quite alone. I was quite happy to read. I was quite happy to write. What's only come to my level of consciousness more recently is that my starting school obviously coincided with my parents' separation. But I only really know that when I look back and say, well, I started school at five and they separated when I was five. So that must have all been happening at the same time. But I think I must have really been quite shut down at school emotionally. I didn't make friends very easily. I didn't reach out to people. I kept very much to myself. And I think that that those things are all connected, but I obviously didn't really know it at the time. So, so books, reading, writing were very much a friend to me um and you know a lot of people say it but it you know that that was a friend to me and I do remember one um you know I was a very precocious reader the teachers would comment on they would tell my mum like uh you know they said one time they said to my mum oh Sally's got a reading age of an eight-year-old and she said yeah and they was like but she's only five that's amazing you know <laughs> um, um so I was a precocious reader, but I think as well that was books were my friends. And I remember one time, the first time I ever read an entire book in one go was when I was waiting for my dad to come pick me up, you know, and I just I just got through the whole book. Um because he had a long way to come. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I I wasn't conscious of that of that interrelation at the time, but only more so recently. Sounds like that 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 reading writing was kind of your sanctuary in a yeah sense. and maybe the effect of your parents separating enhanced that on some level so it was yeah that you had it and do you think it separated you from other children somewhat I don't know if reading and writing separated me from other children specifically um but it's really only in my adult years now that I'm genuinely learning how to be a good friend 
that's taken a long, long time and how to have friends and cultivate, cultivate deep relationships. I know that even prior to my mum and dad's separation, I think by the time I was, I worked it out once, by the time, by the time I left school at 16, we'd moved house 10 times. Uh, so it was not, even though actually I had a stable schooling, I was always in the same school, but before I was five, I'd moved area several times and we'd always just, I'd make friends and then we'd just move away from them and, and disappear. So it's really literally only now that I'm learning how to cultivate relationships with, with human beings in a, in a, you know, in a connected and, and heartfelt way. And did you used to write quite personally for yourself at that age or was it story or poetry? I used to write a lot of poetry um, all the way through my school years. And I think a lot of that was angst. You know, I wrote, wrote poems about my mum and dad's divorce. And um, when my mum, uh, and I, I remember another poem when my mum uh, gave me her wedding ring when I was about 14 um so there's a poem about my mum giving me the, you know the, the history of my mum giving me her wedding ring and one of my favorite poems I wrote at school was um in response to Wuthering Heights which I loved reading um and I wrote a, a poem about Heathcliff um so they were yeah very sort of angsty sort of you know teenagery poems you know right up through and until I got to university and was exposed to a little bit more um traditional literature I think <laughs> So you the, you were really using this as as your sanctuary, as your way of coping, mm -hmm. way of getting through life, and you developed it from a really early age, which often many of us discover later in years that this was how we coped. This was how we came to terms with some of the really big changes in our lives. And then it becomes something that we we offer out to others, that it becomes our particular gift, hey? And mm. your gift was being developed from very early on. Because even having a new baby in the house, inviting that little poem, I, I wish I was, what did you say? I wish I was. Sometimes you. I wish that I was he and he was me. Right. So was there a part of you that wanted to be the little one? Um, I think so. I can, I can relate to that. When my sister was born, she was four, four and a half years younger than me. But I always felt like you know, as a little one, she got the attention, of course. We, they, they do. Little ones get more attention. They have to. Um, but there's a jealousy there that comes yeah. up then. And it sounds like you were learning to express something of that, even at that little age, that tender age, that, oh, you know, I want to be that little one. Yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciate you reflecting that, Caroline. I think I hadn't really made that connection. Uh, but yeah, I really was writing a lot of, you know, sort of self-inquiry, self-expressive poetry uh, in those years. It's, it sounds very therapeutic in mm. ways, yeah. So do you, do, when you're working now, do you actually you know, feel that a lot of what you're doing is, is therapy or counselling people through their particular journeys and, and helping it with the writing? I wouldn't necessarily call it that um, because I don't practice that. Um, but as I deepen in my practice and my coaching experience, I definitely... I already feel like there's a lot more to writing to writing and to writing a book than people 
realize when they come to me um you know people will come to me because they they need to write their thesis or they want to write their book and 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 that's the sort of surface level of of what we're doing but you know beneath the surface there's a lot more work happening there's a lot more work around you know how do you express yourself on the page are you you know what's your relationship with yourself in terms of judgment and compassion and in terms of self-criticism and confidence um there's a lot more work that we're doing below the surface and I I do think this is really one of the real real reasons why writing a long project like a book actually takes time because we can get we can get relatively a lot of words on a page quite quickly but I think often the time involved in the pro is is that deep level process that that people don't realize is happening or needs to happen in order to get the words onto the page yes yeah I, I understand that and certainly from writing my first book which was a, a very interesting process because I like you said earlier I I wasn't thinking of it as being a book I was going to publish I just started it was a rainy day a bit like today sat on my bed and thought what am I going to do I'm going to write about my life about my story and I began it with in the very beginning <laughs> you know that was that was the first sentence of it at that time and um and I I continued with it and I'd written quite a lot at one point and I had a friend who was also an astrologer and and an editor and I said and we 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 weren't getting on too well at the time and I thought, well, if the, the best person for me to ask is somebody that, you know, is going to be really honest with me and I could trust her to be really honest, at, you know, and, and, and say, be, be um, you know, critical if necessary. And, um, and she, she handed it me back after reading it. She said, well, look, while I was doing it, I looked at your astrological chart at the same time. She said, this book is written in two parts and you have yet to live the third part of this from looking at your chart something's going to be happening in the next few years and you're going to have to put that book away for at least two years and begin it again before it's going to be ready now as it happened you know I, I wasn't in a position to keep writing and I certainly wasn't ready to do any kind of publishing or anything like that because I really did feel oh I think I, I think I could publish something I think I could write a book and I remembered being a little girl and wanting to publish a poetry book that was what I really wanted to do and I wrote quite poetically and I put poems in my book anyway over the next two possibly three years my whole life changed the the rug was pulled out from under my feet I went through massive massive transformative journey and that gave me the material for the third part of the book she was absolutely right uh, it was quite amazing, really. So that was that first book. And, and sometimes we do have to just put these things aside, don't we? And, and wait. And particularly if we're writing from a personal story point of view um, to see what actually wants to be fleshed out and um, and discovered in, in, in that time. Um, it's not something you can rush, is it? No, it's not because the transformation process is part of, well, the transformation process is part of the story, as you said, but there's also for me a way that putting our words onto the page is a form of transmutation as well. It becomes its own alchemical process. So, you know, in, in doing the writing, 
you know, when, when we allow the words to move through us onto the page and out into the world, there's a certain level at which we're processing that story or those words and we're alchemizing it. And so we're working on the book and the book's working on us as well. I love that. <laughs> you found that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. The, the book is working on us. Yeah, shivers. <laughs> so what are your personal um, successes around writing? Obviously, you, you know, you, you've, you're very highly qualified and you, you've done a lot of sharing with others, but have you any books out there? Have you, can readers find you? I've got some books, poetry books out with small presses. Um, so they're very experimental and and I'm just going to qualify that by saying not I know not everyone will necessarily uh, engage with them. They're, they're, my poetry, this is what I was writing during my PhD and I was performing a lot as well. It's very, it's very visceral and it was intended to just kind of go from the page onto the stage. So it's the poetry I was writing at the time has got a very visceral, it's very rhythmic, it's very much playing with form and structure. It does what I was saying at the beginning, it kind of breaks open the traditional structures of language and it starts putting words in unexpected orders because they feel right on the page or they felt right when I was writing them and they created this certain sort of syllabic rhythm that I wanted to express rather than um, a narrative meaning, for example. So they're not the easiest um, words to engage with on the page because they, they ask us to really feel them primarily and then participate in creating meaning from them. Um, it's not, you know, this is another thing I've, I've spoken a lot about how we're taught to write, but how we're taught to read as well is very passive. We're expecting the writer to give us meaning. Um, and then we kind of then we kind of take that in. So in the poetry I've been writing, the words are there, the rhythm is there if you can find it, but the meaning is up to us to co-create together. Um I like that. That's that's nice. Yeah. Never never thought of that before. There's a lot of expectation on the writer to satisfy us, isn't there? Yeah. If we work with the writer and with the words and sentences, we're going to get so much more from it, aren't we? I hope so. But it's a it's um it's a more engaged reading process. So it's it feels like a little bit harder work at the beginning. And and it might also feel inaccessible if we don't know how to approach it or how how to read it um, because we haven't been taught so my my poetry books uh, are out with small presses um I pub I was publishing poetry from 2016 until 2020 I got about five books out with small presses um and uh they're called uh, the unfinished dream with sad press um unholy 33 sonnets for Bridget uh, with um, Hester Glock Press. Atta, which was um, an exploration of, of writing and rhythm and yoga uh, with Knives, Forks and Spoons Press. Um, and the um, Writing Utopia 2020 anthology uh, that I co-edited with Sarah Scott Thorne at Hester Glock Press. Um, that's quite a collection. It's a beginning. <laughs> beginning, just the beginning. Well, yeah. 
and 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 these are all written in in what you describe as this particular way, this experimental yeah. way. Yeah. How exciting! So, how do you combine yoga and writing, or do, or don't you? Is is there some way that you work with those together? Yes, uh, less formally at the moment, but my head is starting to formulate some ideas around yoga for writers, which is something that that is you know something that's relatively easy to package up. Um, but the, le the the less formal way I've been doing it up to now is through my yoga practice. I I came back to writing, even though obviously I started writing at a very young age and always been good at it in an educational context when I went back to do my master's and my PhD I already had um 10-15 years of yoga practice in my physical experience that I hadn't had um when I was originally at school and university so I was then coming back to writing with a much more embodied and somatic experience of myself um, and that was something then that I felt was missing from formal writing in an academic and even creative context. And so it was something that that's when I was starting to inquire physically and somatically in myself. It was a bit like opening up my body and and asking, well, when I do this, it feels like that. How can I how can I express this sensation of opening and the sensation of spaciousness and the relationship between the physical edges of my body and the space that I'm moving into on the page. So tell me what you're doing now in the present, you know, what is it that you're offering to others? So I'm really focused at the moment on uh, working with visionary writers who who have been experiencing writer's block. So anyone who's got something new that they want to be saying, you know, there's so much now, there's so much opening up in the world. There's so much evolution that we're moving through and so many people who have stories to tell or new ideas in formation, new possibilities to share. And perhaps they feel constrained by what they've learned about writing and they they don't quite know how to get started so I'm working a lot with visionary writers who um, want to write or need to write um, and and are experiencing writer's block and we work through those different phases and stages to to get the book written or the thesis written or the words onto the page. What's your definition of writer's block? For me writer's block um, it has three sort of for me has three sort of fundamental causes procrastination perfectionism and burnout um and so it can be bringing any of those experiences to the laptop and we sit there and we say right i'm you know this morning for an hour i'm going to write and then nothing happens you know nothing comes out um that's what i would say is writer's block right right because i it's an expression that i I don't know if I ever get writer's block. I mean, it's not that I'm a prolific writer. I'm constantly writing. It's just I have my moments for writing and I have my moments where I don't write. And I, there's no particular time where I say, well, I have to do it at nine o'clock, you know, every morning I'm going to do an hour's writing. It's, it's, 
it's usually something like I'll go to bed, I'll get an idea and grab the laptop and sit there until midnight, like typing <laughs> away with something and then think, shit, I'm not going to sleep now. So I better write some more. You know, it's that sort of thing for me. And I carry my phone around with me as we all do these days. And I, I put, um, you know, my, my notes up or um, I've got one of those little devices where you can record things. I might be walking the dogs and I suddenly have this, oh, that's a really good piece for that chapter in the book. And I'll just record my voice with it, much to the dog's annoyance, because um, then I'm not giving them attention, am I? But And then other times sitting on a train or, yeah, just sat outside the car, in the car park outside the supermarket, you know, or I've got something to, and I put it down in note form. And it's like grabbing those moments for me that are really important because I never know where the stuff's going to come from. And then it's when I've got a moment, oh, yeah, I better send that to my laptop and then put it in somewhere. And then 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 it comes to that time where I have to work with my mentor and editor and we have to sit and I really have to do the work then. And I think that's my process is grabbing all the little bits and pieces and information as I go through life doing what I do and then the hard work of okay let's structure this yeah I think what you just described is is a really good relationship with writing a really good relationship with the page and you know that you're able to come to it through your own rhythms in your daily life um when it calls without the pressure of thinking this has to happen today or this has to happen by next week um or this has to happen at all you know that I think coming coming to it with that sense of open inquiry and curiosity rather than the pressure because I've I've never been one to have absolute deadlines Mm. I haven't worked with well I did work with one publisher but that that was all done in my own time that was okay and now I self-publish so you know I have my own timeline for for these things I don't have the pressure although I did have to get a recent um, piece of writing in for an anthology that's uh, for this month so I did have that but I had a few months to sort that and that that was that that was easy I just wrote it and sent it to them and it was quite happy with it I think often um, deadlines can be useful deadlines can create that container Uh, for actually getting the job done and getting the work finished because again perfectionism can creep in if for for some people who who don't have a deadline the job the writing can never be finished um you know Wordsworth wrote about it in the poem called the prelude it's like we could just continually keep rewriting and revising the poem the story the you know whatever it is because again this is when I when I mentioned that you know the writing or the book is working on us by the time we've finished it we've changed a little bit or a lot and then we want to go back and rewrite it again because we suddenly understand it differently um so sometimes the deadline is a very useful container for getting things done um but it depends how well you work with pressure it's really interesting because that's exactly what happened with my first book see I'm, i'm i'm slightly the opposite to that i put things out too soon i wasn't the perfectionist and i put my that book that I first wrote, Misguided Angel, I put that out much too soon. It wasn't ready to go out, but I put it out anyway. You know, I hadn't spent long enough with it. Now that I've revisited it and rewritten it, I'm, I'm inviting in much more of a perfectionist into me. And, and, it's, and that is key to part of my own story. I put things out too early in the world. I left home too early 
I had a baby much too early. I was 16. You know, I wasn't ready for the world in so many different ways. I had to leave home. And there's so many things throughout my life where I can see I was too young for this. I was too young to start writing at the age of three. I wasn't ready. You know, I know you, you say you were, but I wasn't and I was forced to do it. And so, you know, I can see how this pattern throughout my life of forcing things out, saying, okay, it's where it can go, is part of my own journey. And so I'm having to change that in myself. Once I recognized it, I could start to change it. So what would you say to somebody like me, you know, use me as a little guinea pig for a moment. Like, what would you say to me about my writing? Because I, I have put these books out there um, and I'm not particularly interested in them once they've gone out. Um, so they've got their own journey now. But there is something about really getting your voice in the world, isn't there? And, you know, yeah, I've, I've got someone, I, I took them off Amazon. I thought, I don't want to work with Amazon. But then I decided I'd have to because I wasn't going to get very far if I didn't that one and they're on my website but you know all of this stuff around public well publishing your your work or publishers working with that books aren't as popular as as they were because we can read so much online and podcasts like this and all the rest of it you know what 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 are we supposed to do as writers if we want to you know get our work out there such a great question caroline and I just want to first of all honor your journey um, and your the pattern that you mentioned of putting things out too early and that really being a part of your your journey and your life story. Um, and in relation to that, I do want to say personally, I think there's a lot of value in putting things out because we learn so much from from doing that. You know, you'll have learned something about publishing by doing that, and then you'll do it slightly differently next time. Um, so there's there, there's value in that too. Um, but in, Thank in you. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's, and right because writing's never finished, so you can put the book out and learn from it, and then put it out again. <laughs> I, I think that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, for, for you know, in in terms of your question, how do we how do we go about getting our writing out there these days? I think that is it's a tough one, and it's also again part of the process of, of of what we are doing especially if especially if well if somebody is an entrepreneur um or you know I work with entrepreneurs and I work with with um PhD researchers it's the same path really because once the book is out there and this is something I didn't do very well with my poetry books and I'm learning I would say I put them out too fast as well but it's 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 about then building what people call the the author platform um you might have heard you might have heard of this term the author platform especially big publishers like hay house will talk about your author platform and it's things like how many followers have you got and um you know and 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 how you know how big is your your influence in your community that can feel really off-putting if you just want to write your book and and get it out there so in a way there's there's two different paths to take but they're similar if you're self-publishing then self-publish um and put it out to your community um and if you want a publisher then you maybe have to go a slightly longer route but both of those routes i think invite us to once the book is finished or even whilst it's in progress 
talk about it, post about it, put little sections out, invite feedback, comments, conversation. It's a, it's about um, building a community around that book, whether it's a story or um, a concept that you're teaching. It's going to be about building community and it, and an engagement around that book specifically. So like I said, sharing extracts, ask, you know, asking people for feedback, going on to podcasts and talking about it, because I do, I do agree with you. I mean, I don't necessarily, yes. I mean, we do read a lot more on the internet now and we can read a lot more on the internet, but I hate reading on screen. It's one of the worst things. <laughs> it's one of the worst things that I hate to do. So I would really rather write, read a book. Um, maybe reading a book takes longer, but another great thing about reading a book is you can skip through it. You know, again, we know we don't necessarily learn this at school. We we start at the beginning and we, and we finish at the end. But when you've got text in front of you, sometimes it's quicker to scan the text for the information you need than to listen to a half an hour podcast, for example. Um, so they, they have their different benefits. I think podcasts are great and I probably have replaced a fair amount of my reading with listening to podcasts because that that's started to become my go-to research. You know, if I, if I want to start finding out about something, I'll listen to a podcast first and then I might follow that up with books later because um, podcasts are so easy. You can listen to them in the car or whilst you're washing up as well, which you can do with audio books too. Um but yeah, the, the process, the journey is about building the platform. It's about building the community around the ideas in the book. Um, so as much as you can, getting exposure, going on podcasts, um, creating sort of, you know, mini events or workshops that um, that relate to perhaps a chapter or an aspect of the book that you can share with people in an engaged way um, and building books do still work, but they're a slow build. So it's the process of perhaps working with that project over a period of years where we keep coming back to it and we keep running a workshop or getting on podcasts or putting out a few um, excerpts and building up the community like that. Lovely. I like that. Yeah, I'm all about community. I, I, I do love building those connections with people. So that's great. So, you know, we, we're going to come to the end of this. It's, it's, I, I mean, I think we could talk about writing for hours, couldn't we? I mean, it's it's a, obviously a love of both of ours, you know, and we have a deep relationship to it. But, you know, yeah, as all things, we have to come to an end for now. Um, but what is your dream for the future now? Mm. It's evolving, but it's something something around a visionary writing school that is is more of a community um and when I say that the vision that comes to me is um I think back to for example Sappho on the Greek island of Lesbos and I know she had a lot of other women around her and and she's she's like the mother of lyric poetry you know and they were writing and creating and singing I kind of that's the kind of vision that I have and then I and then I think about well how does that translate to the British Isles because you know I've been reading uh, a bit of um, Carolyn Hillier who's been doing a lot of work with 
bringing back those um those those mother words those bone words from the celtic ancestry so i'm thinking well what did our celtic ancestors on this land how did they um commune in relation to poetry and and self-expression like that so it's it's something ancient and and futuristic and 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 yeah very contemporary at the same time beautiful wow oh, it sounds wonderful yeah i just I, I sort of had a vision well you had the vision of of being in lesbos and then i just thought about our english countryside and as it is at the moment and <laughs> sitting in the pouring rain with our brollies and like <laughs> <laughs> but fire I think fire is definitely involved with that you know fire and storytelling fire and poetry um oh, yeah. the cave art you know I do see poetry as one of the most ancient artistic and ritual technologies of of humankind and and so then how do we bring that back through into a future vision I remember the very first book, well, the first present I remember asking for of my parents at Christmas, I wanted Father Christmas to bring me, was the biggest poetry book ever. That yeah. Was the thing that I wanted. And I got the golden treasury of poetry and I've still got it today, which I'm delighted with. Yeah. So give us a message for, your, for the listeners here, anybody here who's listening and is contemplating writing a book or a thesis or whatever it is that they're working with what would you say to them today I would say do it <laughs> um the most important thing is to get your words onto the page and if that feels too scary start with the physical practice of of moving the pen and and getting back into the body and the breath um it's so important to re-establish that relationship before we try to plunge into you know so, a, a great work of, of finished text beautiful i really like that and the heart of course the heart yeah. is, is part well you know, it's part of all of that isn't it and uh, our emotion the sense of emotion yeah beautiful thank you sally shakti this has been really marvelous and uh, i've loved having this sort of conversation you know just as, around as, us being writers yeah, it's been really helpful for me and we must stay in touch, eh? Thank you, Caroline. Yeah, it's been beautiful to to chat about writing with you. I, I get so inspired <laughs> to talk about writing with other writers. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you. And I wish all your projects, um, yeah, much abundance and joy in other people's lives as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening right to the end. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And remember, you can be in touch with myself or this speaker. My website is middleearthmedicine.com. We have a wonderful membership platform that you can join for just £5 a month. And we have lots of recordings and interesting information that we can share with you there, plus meeting online with regular groups. You can also find the details of our speaker in the box below with their links, their websites, and a little bit of information about them. Thank you for joining me and being part of this Middle Earth Medicine community. I hope you'll listen to our next show. Please follow, share, like, whatever you can do to help this community to grow. We really appreciate you. Thank you.